What's up, everyone? It's your boy, Is Honors One, here back with another episode of Two Pairs of Brothers. Uh, today, we got a, another special guest with us joining us. It's Omera Rain, our childhood friend, also Dr. Omera Rain, um, first year <laughs> uh, resident at UMMC. Thanks for joining us today, Omera. Happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. Omera, uh, just to tout Omera real quick, uh, this is the best sound quality I've heard from a guest so far since in our really? uh, <laughs> coronavirus episodes. Uh, yeah, the, the, Omera's voice is like crystal clear to me, right? I've, I've got I've got my setup, man. That's why, you know, I sit here with my three monitors, got my headset on. I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, yes, sir. I'm going to have to do a quick upgrade on my setup, too, after hearing this voice quality. <laughs> it's a pretty good omen for the episode. hundred percent. So, Mary, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, um, I've lived here in Mississippi for as long as I can remember. Uh, you know, went to high school here. We all we all went to the same high school. Um, briefly went to Memphis for undergrad, and then I returned to the Jackson area uh, for medical school. And now I am uh, continuing uh, my residency here. So, like y'all said, I'm I'm a first year resident. Um, uh, I matched into radiology, so that's going to be it's a baseline of five year residency. Um, but I was fortunate enough, so this year uh, UMMC got approved for a, for a special radiology residency that um, includes interventional radiology as well as your diagnostic radiology specialization. So I get to spend another year here. Um, so it'll be six years total, but I will come out uh, board certified in both diagnostic and interventional radiology. Oh, cool. Cool. Wow. I did not know that. that that's awesome. Is that yeah. something you plan to do before or you knew about before or just something that happened during your first year? So it was definitely something I was interested in and something that um, it was one, yeah, one of the major reasons that I did go into radiology. Um, I did not expect this opportunity to open up to early specialize um, into mm-hmm. it. Um, my plan was, of course, to do the five years and then to apply for a separate fellowship. And then gotcha, this opportunity gotcha. kind of presented itself. So the nice thing about this is I don't have to go through another matching process, another kind of you know set of interviews and all that yeah. stuff. I've already kind of matched into this specialty that I want to pursue. So, oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. And we've known Omer, obviously, since we were uh, from our childhood as well. Uh, Omer's a little bit older than us, but uh, you know we have a very good group of guys here. Mm-hmm. And uh, we share a lot of memories together. And Omer is also recently married. Uh, Omer, how's the married life? It's good. It's good. Uh, I'd highly recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) It's been fun, man. Marry your best friend and, you know, you won't, you won't go wrong. Yeah. Um, Great advice. Yeah. It's been, it's been a good time. How is it moving out of the house, uh, getting an apartment and, I know you're living in Flowood now. How's that been? Yeah, so we moved over to this area um, in Flowood. We we like it a lot. Um, we were, I mean, we were enjoying it a lot. I guess before all this shutdown stuff happened, because there's a mm-hmm. lot of shops and restaurants really really close to here. Um, it made the commute to UMC a lot easier, and uh, the you know, we're just we're enjoying living. You know, kind of starting a home together ourselves and everything. So it's been it's been really nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Quick shout out to Omer's wife, Ansa, throwing one of the best Super Bowl parties of recent times. Uh, oh, yeah. Excellent food. Lots of fun. Yeah, we enjoyed uh, having on, you. On, it. Sadly, <laughs> I, awesome. I missed the – I saw a bunch of Snapchats and I was very jealous. <laughs> oh, yeah. The food was incredible. 
incredible food also a great game so that made that made it yeah yeah yeah, that was a a, a good one definitely great great game well so this episode we're thinking about uh diving into game of thrones one year removed uh almost coming up on the one year anniversary where game of thrones would you know premiere for a ninth season if there was one Uh, but uh you know they messed it up unfortunately in the eighth season so uh uh but uh Omer, obviously, Omer. So I had a quick question Absolutely. for you before we yeah. got into this. Uh, was did you start Game of Thrones when it was uh, currently air- when when it was airing on TV in season one, or did you catch it after season one? I caught it actually in the middle of season one. Um, so okay. I had just graduated from high school that year. I was uh, up in Canada visiting uh, family up there. And one of my cousins uh, told me about this show. I had heard about it a little bit, but like hadn't really decided to watch it yet. But, you know, I got up there and he's like, you have to watch this. Um, And the first, I believe, uh, seven episodes were out at that time. Okay. Um, So we binge watched them all within 24 hours. Um, He showed me all of them. We caught up. And um, it was actually kind of interesting because I think I was there long enough that we saw episode nine together from the first season. And of course, you know, that's the the one where yeah Ned gets executed. And so, you know, of course, that's jaw dropping because, you know, the first eight episodes builds him up as what you think is going to be the main character of this entire show. And mm-hmm. then, you know, a show does what a no show has done before, which is just completely kill off a main character like that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, That's what made it so special for so many years, in my opinion, is just yeah. the unpredictability of the plot, uh, especially for people who hadn't read the books, especially. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it was uh, and which was a lot of the viewership at the time, especially right. when the show was running is there's there were book watchers, there were show watchers, and there was a mixture of both as well. But I would. I would think there was a lot of just show watchers and they did not know what was coming. So, and obviously after that, uh, Omer recommended the game of Thrones to our whole friend group. Uh, and I would say Omer was kind of the main catalyst for me watching it. Uh, he kind of, he put the craze into everyone's minds. Uh, and then once everyone was kind of infected with this craze, uh, I caught on, I was in the middle of season four when I started. Oh wow! Uh, okay, so you started much so, later. Okay, wait, what, when did you start? It's the middle of season four. Wait, was it twenty fourteen? Yeah, I think that was two thousand fourteen. Yeah, I, I remember I started. Yeah, summer of twenty fourteen. That was my sophomore that might, year. That might have been school. so. Twenty eleven is season one. Twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. Yeah, twenty fourteen would have been season four. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that was my sophomore yeah. year of high school. I think I caught up within. So I watched three seasons within a week. Oh, so wow. I yeah. I told is on started like a, like a couple weeks after me. Yeah, uh, and he was very apprehensive, you know, because a lot of the the problem with recommending the show is you see like dragons and you know kind of medieval themes in it, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are kind of uh, for better or worse turned off by kind of the the fantasy element of it. Yeah. you don't realize that's not like what the show is about. Uh, it's more about you know politics, families, uh, relationships. Right. You know all the all these themes that are shared uh, interest of so many people watching TV. Yeah, and I think I, I thought it holds true for a lot of people because so I, I think I've seen uh, season one. I have to say at least a dozen, maybe almost close to twenty times. Because oh, wow. after I saw it, 
you know, the summer of 2011, I felt like I had to show this show to everyone. So literally mm-hmm. everyone I'm, and that was my first year in college, my freshman year. So literally everyone I met, I was like, you got to watch this show. And I, I noticed like a recurring thing. And even just now watching it again with Unsa, you have to kind of like force people to watch like the first four or five episodes. Um, just because you're, mm-hmm. they're introducing so many characters, so many different storylines. And, you know, at the very beginning, it, the so- story is really fragmented. Um, and so it takes a few episodes for people to really get into it, get interested in the characters, interested in their storylines. But I feel like once you get people to that point, then they just, they take off. Um, and so like Unsa is completely addicted to it at this point. Like there's the, you know, she's watching it without me if I'm not at home <laughs> and like freaking out, texting me. She's like, Oh, I just saw this part. I just saw this part. So yeah. Has she got anything ruined for her before or no? No, uh, luckily not. So she didn't, she didn't see anything coming. Um, there's been a few episodes that i like made sure I watched with her just cause I definitely wanted to see her reaction. So of course, you know, Ned, Ned's execution, yeah. uh, red wedding, definitely had to oh, watch man. that one with her. Yeah. Um, I got all I wish well for me. I know. I wish the red wedding wasn't ruined. That was the red wedding and Joffrey's death were ruined for me before. Unfortunately, uh, I got Ned's but, death, uh, Joffrey's death, and the red wedding all spoiled for me. So, oh man, yeah, those were some yeah. big moments for sure. I was just saying that I kind of wish I had that, you know, unadulterated uh, viewing experience where I didn't know anything because the shocks of the show, the highs and lows of the show, are so beautiful. In mm-hmm. my opinion, that it would have been cool. Yeah, I was like in my bed, like a Sunday night, you know, years ago, whenever the Red Wedding episode came out, you know, got the got the the show queued up, watched it alone in bed, <laughs> and I had to watch that ending like three or four times because I just didn't believe it. I was just so shocked. At what I would say happened. it's probably the most unexpected moment in television for me. Yeah, just the sheer amount of characters that died. Uh, yeah, who the characters were at the time. Uh, you know how the storyline was going at the time because you thought you know right. at that point the starts the starts were kind of in control yeah uh, you you were thinking they were kind of you know making their play into yeah you know, yeah destroying you, their dominance he sort of had this affinity towards rob and talisa stark so that was just devastating and talisa yeah. was pregnant as well so yeah, that hit hard. And it gave you, like, I think a, a, a real appreciation for, like, George R. R. Martin's, like, storytelling. Because at that point, we were still, like, following the books and the story, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then, and then, of course, like, you know, later seasons, that kind of falls off. And you know, we can talk about that and how I think that really changed the show when they didn't really have the book to kind of use as an outline anymore. Because um, mm-hmm. I think I, that, we can just go ahead and cool. go into that, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think I honestly believe like, you know, I think I think David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, like I think they were amazing at the job that they had earlier uh, in the show's lifespan. You know, I mm-hmm. think I think George R. R. Martin was the storyteller and they were experts at taking this amazing story that was written on paper and turning it into like a great visual representation of it. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think they had the storytelling ability that George R. R. Martin had. Not at all. And I think you know that was the biggest shortcoming, and like all the issues that kind of came out near the end. I think all can kind of cut tie back into that. Yeah, I had a question for you. So I was hearing like rumors that HBO was ready to give like a couple more seasons to the show, mm-hmm. and one of the one of the things that. I felt like was a failure of the show was 
the speeding up of the timeline, especially in season eight where things were jumping around. Uh, they were mm-hmm. getting to King's Landing mm-hmm. and half an episode, you know, when it used to take a couple episodes to get to King's Landing and back. Right. Uh, have you heard anything that like kind of refutes that? Because it, it, it just logically makes sense that they should just continue. Oh, I think HBO loved the show. I think they wanted to keep it on. And I think, you know, I, I, I yeah, I haven't heard anything different from that. I've, from what exactly I've heard that HBO wanted to keep the show, wanted the seasons to stay 10 episodes long, you know, keep it on for a couple mm-hmm. more seasons. Um, everything that I've read and seen has just said that it was, you know, David and DB that were kind of ready to be done with this show, um, thinking that they were going to move on to something greater. Um, and I think that's almost a little disrespectful, you know, like you have this amazing opportunity. This show is really what's brought you to fame. Like, you know, don't just start disregarding it and trying to just like, you know, rush an ending. I think, uh, they experienced some hubris because they got super famous and there was probably some other ventures that they were interested in. Well, it was, are they, uh, still in talks for that spinoff or something like that. Or, yeah, I haven't really read much about that, and I'm I'm not sure how you know popular it's going to be after you know season eight and everything yeah. that happened. I think I know they got a lot of heat after that, and I'm not not really sure where they stand. And you know, I heard HBO. that uh, they they have no involvement in the in the spinoff show, and they had they they were supposed to do some of the Star Wars series, as I heard, but I think they got dropped from that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's kind that's of, uh, what I saw too. It's kind of comical. It's funny. Uh, it's funny. Yeah, but I think uh, the director who directed some of these, uh, some of the most iconic uh, episodes in the show, he was involved. He was going to be involved in the spinoff. So hopefully, it turns out okay. well. Um, I think again, I, I have to agree with you that uh, once they ran out of source material, it was very clear that they weren't good storytellers. Uh, yeah, uh, they were very good for what they had. Uh, you know, I think they were the perfect people for, you know, the first, uh, you know, six, seven seasons. But, you know, once mm-hmm. they ran out of the material, uh, it, it was bound to fail. Yeah, unfortunately so. And I think, I mean, I understand that, like, these actors were becoming bigger name people. And, you know, maybe it was harder to keep them on board with the show if they were, like, finding other other things to star in. But, I mean, I feel like HBO has always been good about, you know, paying their their writers, their directors, their their casts. So mm-hmm. I really feel like even waiting like a little while in between, like I, I know we waited like a year between um, seven and eight. I, I mean, you know, we could have maybe spaced it out, made it every other year, given George R. R. Martin some time to actually like come up with the a finish to his, his story before before ending 100%. it. Because, yeah. Have you read the books somewhere at all or no? So I've read the the first one, but I, I didn't mm-hmm. get through the rest of them. Okay. Yeah. So I, I've heard. So his ending was supposed to be the same, right? That a brand was whatever was supposed to end up on Iron, or there was not supposed to be an Iron Throne or whatnot. Correct. So from what I've what I've read online, and I guess some of it might be theory. I'm not sure what's you know, but I think he talked to them, told them exactly how he wanted the ending. Um, but I don't think he gave too many details. Like, I think, yeah, he agreed that Bran should be the one to take the throne. I think yeah. he wanted Arya to be the one, you know, that, you know, finishes off the Night King. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of those and like very final moments were maybe in his, you know, in his final plan. But I definitely don't think that he was planning on getting there the way that, you know, David and DB decided to do it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think uh, the most severe shortcoming uh, of the show for me was uh, Brand's whole story arc. Oh, uh, they, they they touted this character as this uh, you know super powerful guy. Uh, he was supposed to get some mystical abilities. You know, could go back in the future. Could go in the future. Could go back in the uh, past. Mm-hmm. Uh, could warg into different uh, creatures. But uh, you know, I just felt like they had something left on the table in terms of brand, uh, whether they didn't give enough time to brand on screen or they just kind of disregarded them, uh, you know, throughout the seasons. I, I just don't know what happened with brand, honestly. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. You know, you, you watch some of the earlier episodes and it almost seems like brand is doing more early on, you know, like he's, 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 he learns that he's a warg and he can like, you know, warg into animals exactly. and, and you see him like warging into his wolf and like helping John fight off wildlings. And he's mm-hmm. actually like using that ability to, you know, to do something. And then when it seems like when, when everything's on the line and, you know, he needs to do something, he doesn't. And so it was just kind of interesting to see that, you know, he, he had abilities already that we know of through the earlier episodes that he has these abilities that he he could be of some assistance but then even in these critical moments you know the battle against the night king he he doesn't really contribute in any meaningful way um and i feel like he's yeah he's really one of those characters that you know there's so much build up and then really nothing comes out of it 100 percent and it was interesting. I, I know you can talk about this more uh, rewatching the show because I personally haven't rewatched it yet. But the season one and like even the parts of season two, he was kind of the character they were building up uh, when Jamie pushes pushes him off the uh, the top of the you know the castle, and uh, when you know Ned's teaching him all all these lessons on how to be a man and how to be a nice a great leader. So it seems like uh, they're building him up. Uh, for something later on in the future, but I just don't think it ever comes. And it, it seems comically, it seems like Arya takes that kind of role, you know, this leader. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that. And it's just, you know, it's another one of the thing is like, they do so well, I think to, you know, they develop Arya as a character and she has her own huge arc. You know, she goes off and, you know, the, does her you know training with the god of many faces you know she has this whole long storyline and then it, it comes to something you know we see her return to westeros and kind of use those skills she gets her revenge on walter frey and then you know she's the one at the end that you know has a big role she she's the one that defeats the night king mm-hmm. um and in some very similar ways you know sansa goes through a lot of change in her character and you know she's put through hell by cersei and you know then she deals with ramsey and all of that but then you know at the end you see her outwitting the man that's been trying to manipulate her all show and she's the one to finally best um exactly. little finger so it's like both of them kind of have a good like finish to their story whereas with bran it seems like oh build up build up and then it just kind of fizzles exactly exactly so uh kind of two more things i want to do with game of thrones is first of all i want to discuss uh you guys's favorite episodes and favorite characters and then finally wrap up on game of thrones with uh what the legacy of the show is going to be maybe five years from now ten years from now so i'll let you guys go first on uh you know, favorite episodes or, you know, we can rank the seasons, we can rank some episodes and then we can rank some characters. We can, let's go like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
Why don't one, one of y'all start? I'm gonna, I need to think. Yeah, Zon, you go first. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is. I can already tell you what my favorite character is, and this is very unpopular for a lot of people. And those who know me know it's it's Theon. That was my favorite character. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I even liked him when you know he betrayed the Starks. I don't. I don't know why. I thought. Um, I thought they did him his character development right i think it was perfect i thought it was a beautiful beautiful ending um and it, it was sad for me when i watched him die but uh i just liked his character arc um and i you felt a sense of pity for him when he what he was going through with ramsey uh but the way he i think defended sansa through that and the way he kind of built his reputation his strength his valor i think he got back to the old theon that we really enjoyed before he betrayed the Starks. So he was my favorite character. In terms of favorite episode, this is tough. Um, I would say maybe my favorite moment was, I think, you know, the trial scene with, uh, I forgot his name. <laughs> What's his name? Tyrion? Tyrion, yeah, sorry. Uh, but, like, Tyrion, that uh, was great. Um, what a, what a what a scene yeah and also the scene the the battle scene with or the fight scene between oberon and the mountain that was insane Ooh, very good uh, i didn't get that spoiled for me so that was just ridiculous oh me but, either yeah i was watching that live so it was nice i also really enjoyed the white walker battle in season eight a lot of people gave that flack um but i actually really enjoyed it and a lot of people complained about the lighting and stuff like that but I thought it was really well done. So that was also up there for me. My complaint with that episode was Bran's lack of help again. Yeah. Uh, he just kind of said, I'm going to go now and just left. <laughs> it's kind of At that stupid. point, I kind of expected yeah. it. Was, you know, you don't really expect Bran to do really much at that time. So I was just like, whatever, this is just another Bran moment. I think my other issue was that with that episode, though, was that, you know, you're supposed to at this point have, you know, Daenerys has made it to Westeros and she's in the north and she has all these, you know, people that have kind of come together. You have some, you have some like really brilliant people, you, you know, Tyrion is there and um, John is there, you know, John's fought in some battles at this point. Tyrion has, you know, studied and helped, you know, way back when like helped the capital win battles and stuff. And so there's, you're, you're expecting, you know, this to kind of be more of like a tactical thing, and then the, I think the way they displayed it was more meant for like a cinematic purpose, though, rather than like mm-hmm. showing off these yeah. characters like brilliance almost because, you know, they send this horde of just like horse riders into darkness right off the bat. Yeah. The ca- the catapults they're going to fire are like in the front line. You know there was there's just a lot of like I think, you know, I was reading about, you know, just like tactical errors that didn't really make sense um for that battle the way they had 100%. it organized. Especially with the amount of time they had to prepare honestly too because they knew they were coming for a while now. Right. Uh, John had been right. warning for so long. Uh what's it called? Um John had also fought fought them before, so you know he had that advantage going for him. That uh, you know how the, how they fight, uh, what kills mm-hmm. them. Uh, they had been making dragon glass for so long, so I don't know. Yeah. So Zon, what was your favorite season? Favorite season, probably season four. Yeah, uh, that was just 
there's just so much going on. And that was the season before season five that kind of disappointed me as well. Season five and season eight severely disappointed me. Okay, uh, yeah. I agree. Um, that season just, I thought every, every episode offered something different and it just the character development, the intensity, the action, just, it all culminated perfectly. So I don't think any season really tops that for me. Okay. For me, I would say it's between season four and season six. Uh, I agree with season four. Uh, you have Joffrey's death. You have uh, Oberyn, the whole Oberyn stuff. You have Tyrion uh, killing his father. Especially yeah. when that, I remember that episode came out on Father's Day. That was pretty cool mm-hmm. uh, where he killed Tywin. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the whole trial scene with Tyrion. And then Arya's character was really, really good in season four. Yeah. Uh, she's just trying to find herself uh you know and then she ends up uh going sh- going on the ship to bravos at the end of the season yeah yeah and that's before her whole faceless training and which i did not personally enjoy at all uh it had to be important if it was included for so long but i just didn't like how they, they approached it again uh, it just made season five kind of boring for me yeah but uh thing with season six was i think there were higher highs in season six uh, in my opinion, even though Joffrey's death is a pretty big high, uh, you know, the battle of the bastards is, I think probably my favorite episode. Oh yeah. Uh, and then the episode after, I think it's called light of the seven, if I'm not mistaken, where, uh, they blow up the, the citadel. Right. Oh, yeah. That was insane. Yeah. And then the music, the light of the seven, I know is the name of the song. Uh, the wind, the winds of winter. That's what it the is. The winds of winter. That's what it's yes. called. But I think light of the seven is the name of the song. They the play. name of the, the music right, right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's between those two. That's my favorite episodes. Uh, you know, cause I was a big fan of, uh, what's her name? Uh, Joffrey's Marjorie. wife. Marjorie, Marjorie, yeah, yes. yeah, I was a big fan of Marjorie, and it was sad to see her go, especially because she realized what was going on just a little bit too she late. She knew, yeah, she knew something was off. But and then that late. religious leader finally died, who I hated uh, <laughs> from season five. It, that was very him. satisfying. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, Cersei playing her big game. That was also like Cersei. I think is one of the best characters on the show just because of her, uh, you know, her uh, villainous role. She does so but, well at playing the villain, and but then again, I feel like you know she kind of at the very end of the show she kind of comes up short again. Uh, one thousand percent, they finish yeah. her so badly. Uh, well. I hated Jamie her as well. Yeah, I hated her death. I really, um, I mean, I wanted her to suffer a pretty painful one, but she ended up dying with her love. So, yeah, I think that's my, that my, yeah, that messed up Jamie as well, in my opinion. Just because you saw because him it goes like back to her, yeah, right at the end. Yeah. Exactly. And I thought he was going to end up with Graham. One hundred percent. Cersei, though, in a lot of ways, I felt very kind of similar to Bran. Though I don't know how y'all would feel about me saying that because you know, again, Bran is you know doing all this stuff, you know, going beyond the wall, learning to be the three-eyed raven, then doesn't really do anything for the ending of the story. And I felt very similar about Cersei as well. You know, they you know show this whole character developing she becomes bitter and you know so much more hate in her growing and all the while throughout the seasons is you see her doing such more villainous things but she's also smart she's a smart character 
Um, she knows how to deal with her enemies, you know, like killing off the Tyrells and, and the religious mm-hmm. folk all at once. And, you know, she's smart to employ the Ironborn to help her kill the dragons, you know, and one of one of Daenerys' dragons dies that way. But then it's just so interesting to me that the final battle that she has, the most important one that she has, she seems to almost have nothing prepared. And that just felt yeah. so off character for Cersei for me. One hundred percent. I think I agree with you completely. Uh, they both have similar, you know, terrible endings in season eight. My only argument against that was I think Cersei was was a very good character for multiple seasons compared to Bran. I think Bran maybe had one or two good seasons at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously he has the hold the door moment, which is pretty iconic uh, mm-hmm. when they're escaping the White Walkers in that scene. But, you know, but you can only remember like parts of Bran where he has an impact with Cersei. At least she has like very iconic moments uh, and they did her character right for most of the show. I agree with you in season eight. They just completely messed her up and went off, you know, off whatever, uh, you know, her character was meant to be. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just to finish off on my note, I think my favorite character would have to be Tyrion. Uh, you know, he's the wits of the show. Uh, he's been counted out his whole life. Uh, you know, he has comic relief that he, uh, brings to the show throughout all the seasons. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he's sneakily, you know, just so, so smart. Uh, and, uh, you know, he builds very good relationships with everyone he, he meets and it makes for, uh, you know, great TV. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just think that even in season eight, uh, they did him a little bit wrong. Uh, he had a couple, you know, kind of bonehead stuff. Uh, I think that was just kind of because they were accelerating the the story so fast that, uh, like when he doesn't warn, uh, uh, what's it called? Warn Daenerys that, uh, one of her dragons could be killed when they, you know, when they just go ahead with their plan. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but I, I still think Tyrion has to be my favorite character. I would say Arya, but I think season five of Arya just kind of ruined, uh, Arya for me. Winter story gets like kind of, really slow there. Yeah, because yeah, she was my character for the first uh, four seasons, my favorite character. But, uh, you know, when her story got slowed down, it was hard to get back on her story. Do you guys yeah. think she was uh, done right in season eight, just with that moment when she killed the Night King? And, or I, I or, enjoyed that. Uh, yeah. I thought I it was it fitting was as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it, it really... Um, it made a lot of the earlier stuff kind of worth it. You really feel like she has actually went through this training to become this kind of assassin-like character that would actually be able to pull off the move that she used to kill the Night King. You know, it's like, it seemed like that training that she'd gotten was like use for something. So, And was I the only one who got annoyed with, with Jon Snow by the end of the season where I just was like, ugh, what is this dude doing? Like, I just hated his speeches. Like you're my queen, you're my queen. All <laughs> like that was him. Eighty percent of season eight. I felt like but I think I, I think there was a meme on Twitter agree. about that. Yeah. He's like he's his his character is paid like a million dollars to just say you're my queen the whole season. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. so true. Yeah. And it's so sad because I think he was early on one of my you know characters that I really enjoyed watching. Like his storyline remains throughout most of the show one of the more exciting ones. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then to just see him become like this yes man at the end was kind of disappointing for sure. Yeah. I had a feeling he was going to kill the Night King, but then I was happy that Arya did it. Really didn't matter. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I would have to like split it up, um, based on where we are in the story. I think to begin with, 
um you know i loved ned i loved ned's character and so like episode nine even though i know it's going to happen if, if i'm watching the show again that just hits me so hard yeah, um, I agree, man. because he tries to do everything by the book he tries to do it you know the right way um and I know, I know there's like some things that we learn you know later about ned that you know maybe he lied about one thing you know and he was keeping a secret for his sister and everything but like and that just humanizes him more for me than anything else um but yeah i think you know just his character and everything that kind of comes from you know ned which is i think you know we see that in john and rob and aria and sansa like i feel like they do a really good job of making sure the starks kind of stay true to this like you know importance to kind of honor and everything and Mm -hmm. i think you know without ned's character and seeing that that was in ned it does you know it wouldn't really matter as much in the stark children unless we had seen that early on um in the middle of the season honestly i really liked tywin's character that might be Mm, a a little more of a unpopular one too but i i honestly felt like he in a lot of ways was like ned too you know he he might have maybe you know not been necessarily as honorable but at the end of the day he really cared about you know his family his family name and i think you know some of the most exciting moments in the show are because of things that he planned things that he does like the red wedding like that was you know it's it's so crazy to see that a man can like cause such damage without ever really raising a sword you know we never see tywin fight in this entire show like he never raises any sort of weapon yet he you know is doing all these things um to kind of control all these like fights happening around the Mm -hmm. the seven kingdoms and it's just kind of cool to see like uh kind of a shrewd tactician kind of character um and then i guess my long-term uh character would definitely be Varys um because okay. i think it's just so interesting that his allegiance is so different than everyone else everyone else is kind of in in this show for self-interest and Varys is i think really the only one at the end of the day that really just cared about the people like that mm-hmm. was his only care and even at the end when he knew that it would cost him his life you know, he still stuck to that. Like he knew yeah. that if he risked like, you know, putting John ahead of Daenerys that he was committing treason and that, you know, he was probably going to lose his life for that. He didn't care. Like he still to the very end wanted to do what he thought would be best for everyone else. And I think like that, like that selflessness and you see it from the very beginning of the show, you know, he's trying so hard to establish this peace that everyone else thinks that if they take over control, then they can employ it. But he, he thinks about it like a different way. And so mm-hmm. I really enjoyed his character. That's a very interesting one for sure. It's well put. I completely forgot about him actually, <laughs> but um, he was, yeah, I forgot about Ferris for a bit. I think Littlefinger has honorable mention for me uh, just because he's kind of the, antithesis i can't even say it i, I told his on <laughs> I, I was telling his on, i cannot say this word but he's kind of like the foil character to varus even though they're kind of together yes, for a long yes. couple seasons yeah. Uh, yeah you know he has no interest for the people he has interest for himself right uh, he's like the complete opposite it's all about how do i become a lord or like you know become exactly. further my name and varus that's the thing yeah you don't remember varus he's mostly a lot of the time he's just kind of in the background 
but you know his purpose is always to the realm and yep yeah. i also really liked uh brienne and uh torment that, that that dynamic was fun to watch yeah <laughs> it's funny i love brienne i thought she was an amazing character yeah um, probably my second favorite yeah I, I have to mention one more is uh samuel tarley oh yeah uh, just, oh just yeah definitely you see all these people in the show that are honorable, they're valiant, they're brave, they serve their houses. Uh, but, you know, Samuel is like the one character that the average person can relate to because, you know, he's scared for most of this, most of the show, yeah, as anybody yeah. would be, uh, because, you know, these are things kind of way beyond his control. Uh, you know, he has, he has inheritance to a house. He had, his house has a, uh, you know, a Valerian steel weapon. So, but, you know, he's still scared because, uh, you know, the average person would be scared and it kind of brings kind of a humanized element to the show that, you know, you don't really see because you see all these characters like Jon Snow and Ned Stark and uh, Arya Stark and uh, Daenerys Targaryen, who are like major characters who, you know, fear nothing, uh, who uh, can, you know, take power whenever they want uh, and who can fight whatever enemies against them. But Sam kind of brings that average person's mindset. So I think that was very important and, you know, very uh, nice that they didn't include that. Yeah, definitely. Who would y'all say is the, the worst uh, villain? Joffrey, Cersei? Uh, this is interesting. Uh, Ramsey? I would go with Ramsey, honestly. Uh, uh, I don't know. You probably have a better idea on this just rewatching the show because oftentimes I think I forget about Joffrey. Mm-hmm. But, uh Ramsey, I think the amount of torture he put on people is just unparalleled in the show, uh, especially yeah, what he did with Sansa. Uh, oh, you know, Joffrey obviously was very cruel to Sansa as well, but I think Ramsey might have been, you know, a couple times more cruel <laughs> to Sansa. Uh, yeah, I just Ramsey, think he's a psychopath, you know. Yeah, mine's Ramsey because he tortured my favorite character, Theon, and then oh right, the, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, what he did I to think- Sansa. Yeah, I think I would have to agree. I think, I think like comparing Joffrey to Ramsey, I think they're both like like unnecessarily violent and like kind of belligerent. But I think the difference definitely is that Ramsey was smart about it. And mm-hmm. I think that makes it so much more like dangerous and scary. Um cuz like Ramsey was able to play like mind games with Theon and you know any of his mm-hmm. enemies and so I think that level of shrewdness along with like the viciousness really made him such a crazy villain crazy good villain yeah i have to agree and i think that's what puts cersei maybe a step ahead of ramsey because of that reason alone just because of her cunningness and her ability to just outsmart people maybe she wasn't as vicious as ramsey but i think her her evil mind and the ways she thought of inflicting harm upon others just puts her maybe on a different tier So, my favorite character—you uh, already went over favorite character, favorite episode, and favorite season. Um, so I really enjoyed all the battles, um, starting you know with the earliest one we see, Battle of Blackwater Bay. Um, that one's kind of cut short a little bit. You know, they don't yeah. show necessarily all of it. Um, but then uh, we see a battle at Hardhome when John fights um, the White Walkers there when the whites are attacking he actually kills a white walker mm-hmm. um, because I, I personally really enjoyed the white walker storyline. Of course, up until the end, I think I was, I was a little disappointed at the end of it for sure. Yeah. Me too as well. Um, 
so anytime I really got to see White Walkers, I was always, you know, really excited about that. Um, at one point, I think, you know, I was just rooting for them to win. I think I thought, it, you know, it might just be best to go ahead and just wipe out everyone <laughs> else and just start from scratch. Um, Battle of the Bastards, we went over that already. I really enjoyed that one. Um, and then, you know, I just, I would have to say, like, even the battle against the White Walkers at the end, I, I, I loved the cinematography. It's just, I think, it, I, I believe it was like right after the episode ended when I stopped for a second and started thinking about it. And then I, I'm, I kind of start to be like, oh, well, you know, maybe it wasn't the best planned out battle. And I start mm-hmm. to see like issues with it. But again, that whole episode, the way they shot it and everything was just amazing. So it was. Yeah. The battle episodes were definitely my favorite. Um, Throughout the series, I think they did a really good job. Anytime, you know, there was any type of fighting going on, that was mm-hmm. always exciting and, and fun to watch. And then favorite season? Uh, I would have to say probably season four. Um, yeah, we talked about this. Yeah, you know, Joffrey dies early on. It kind of throws everything into more chaos. Um, for me, it was it was it kind of balanced out some of. I enjoyed season three a lot too, but of course, end end of season three is when you know the red wedding happens, and the it's it starts to feel very lopsided. You know, you feel like oh well, the good guys never win; it's always the bad mm-hmm. guys winning. So I think they did a well good job, you know, making Joffrey die early season four. So you at least start to feel like okay, maybe you know maybe there's some deaths and losses going on both sides and then things kind of get more thrown out of whack because then you know tommen is in charge and he's not really as you know a big a character as joffrey was and that's really yeah. when cersei gets to kind of step into her role as the as the one in control so um yeah I, I really enjoyed season four and then of course the ending you know with Tyrion finally uh leaving because i think it was you know Tyrion's story was starting to get a little bit stale as well Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like he had really done all that he could have done in Westeros. You know, he beginning of the beginning of the show, he's doing a lot because he's traveling to the wall and doing all that. And so it was nice to yep. see his character kind of in action again too. Now that you know he's going to leave Westeros and pursue something different. So yeah. So just on to the final thing, the wrap up Game of Thrones. Uh, just a question to ask ourselves is where do we see this show? You know, five to ten years from now. Because I really thought it had potential to be, you know, the greatest show on TV uh, up until the eighth season. And I think, uh, you know, how a show concludes is very important to its legacy. And uh, unfortunately, I think it did take a hit. But uh, I would still consider it as, you know, a top five show I've I've seen. Uh, And I think it will hold up in the next five years personally. But I just want to hear you guys on this. Uh, yeah, I think I would have to agree. Unfortunately, I think I went personally from saying it's the best show I've ever seen to actually, you know, saying, you know, just subconsciously maybe being like, oh, it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah. And and it is just that that slight disappointment with how the story ended. And I think anytime I really think about season eight, I just find myself kind of thinking about, you know, just like small things they could have changed to really you know, make the story a little better. If they just stretched out a few things, not rushed a few things, like it would have been so much different. And um, yeah, so, but I guess, yeah, like you said, I think it'll always be remembered as like one of the best shows um, to air. I think it was really iconic in that it brought a lot of 
people that might not traditionally be like interested in the fantasy genre um to to something like that um myself you know i've always been like huge fan of like lord of the rings and and so this genre has appealed to me from the beginning mm-hmm. um and so i found you know easy to kind of slip into it but i think you know it brought a lot of people that don't necessarily like those kind of things into into that as well and so i thought it was very iconic for that reason but i think again yeah it will also probably go down as one of the biggest disappointments um that a show has had um very similar i think to the show lost which had such a huge cult following for the longest time and the people were just very very disappointed with the way it ended and um i think the worst thing about that is that um although it'll be it'll be nice to show this show to someone that hasn't seen it you know, like in the, in my case, you know, I'm showing my wife because I'm like, oh, you have to see Game of Thrones, like mm-hmm. one of the best stories. But I don't think I would ever just sit down and watch it again on my own because yeah. I know that disappointment is waiting for me at the end. Yeah, that's one of the things I would have to agree with uh, personally as well is uh, I don't know when I'm going to wa- rewatch Game of Thrones, uh, you know, unless I'm showing it to another person. Uh, I don't know if I could sit down again and watch it just because that disappointment is lingering because you just know it's, it's there right. uh, no matter how good I would say the first six seasons were like, you know, the, my favorite, you know, uh, episodes on television I've ever seen. Uh, but unfortunately you have to live up, uh, you have to catch up to the dis- disappointment that is season eight at some point. So, yeah. yeah, I'd agree with both of those assessments. I thought I spent, a lot of time during season eight trying to convince myself that this was a good season, but at the end I just couldn't justify a lot of the things that happened and the story arcs just didn't make any sense to me. So, um, but yeah, the first six seasons were probably the best seasons of television in history. Um, but what sets this show apart is I don't think we'll, excuse me, I don't think we'll see a show that has as comp- complex of a character arcs as this show ever. I just think that's what made it so beautiful. So, that's something I miss till this day. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I don't think any show really lives up to to that. And just the, I think just how they did so well to make us care about so many different characters. Uh, I feel like I've never really seen that in a show before, where it's like the storyline is spread out over so many people. Um, and then all of them kind of intertwining in some way or another. They, d- I will say that Game of Thrones did do an amazing job of that up until the end. You know, they made sure that like every character in some way influenced, you know, another character, like all the other characters. So I, I don't feel like it ever felt like one storyline was just completely separate from the rest, um, and like it, not like relative to the end. Yeah. I have to agree just because the sheer magnitude of the show, you would think it's easy to get lost, uh, you know, mm-hmm. with all the moving parts, but they 100% did an amazing job of keeping all those parts together and, you know, pushing the story forward. So for our final segment, Omer, uh, you told us you had some uh, video game recommendations uh, for people, you know, stuck at home, uh, can pass the time with these uh, video games. So I'd like you to share that. 
Yeah, so um, I've always been a huge, huge video gamer since I was young. I had my my Sega Genesis, and then <laughs> shortly after an N sixty four that I played all the time, uh, GameCube, and then moved on to Xbox. So been playing video games for a long time. Got really into uh, League of Legends for a long period of time when I was an undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to kind of yeah talk about some games that I think could be could be fun to play right now because um, yep. I know people might be stuck at home looking for things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're looking to play something alone, just you know single player, one player, um, there's a kind of a indie game out called Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Um, it's actually a sequel to Ori and the Blind Forest. Um, beautiful visuals, pretty easy gameplay. I mean, you can pick it up, you can learn it. It gets a little complex as you as you progress, but um, just kind of a simple, easy thing um, for someone to play alone if they're looking to play kind of a single player game. Um, and to I'm practice, sure. do you play on do you play on PC or do you play on console? So I play on PC. Um, if I do want to play with a controller, I have it linked up to where my Steam games can uh, show up on my TV, and I can play with the with an Xbox controller. Okay. Um, so, but I don't currently own any of the new generation consoles, so all of my gaming is via PC. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys have gotten into Modern Warfare since it got re-released, uh, but so I did. Uh, my roommate uh, this past year in Birmingham had an uh, Xbox One. And- Mm-hmm. On it. so i was playing a lot of multiplayer online i did not play the campaign yeah uh, they released a battle royale for it i've heard uh, they Warzone. did they did yeah uh, and i've been fun. actually watching uh you know gamers stream it online because i've yeah. been pretty bored uh but <laughs> i don't usually watch uh game gaming streams sometimes i do but i would i had i found myself enjoying watching warzone yeah uh, i currently do not own a console as well so or a okay. new generation console so that's yeah. one of the things I'm considering getting a console and, you know, just playing uh, uh, Warzone or even getting online and playing multiplayer because I did enjoy, you know, the new Modern Warfare that did come out. So, yeah, yeah. So that would definitely be my recommendation if you want to play like online multiplayer with friends, uh, Modern Warfare, if you're into first person shooters. Um, another game that I think could be a lot of fun um, to look into is on Steam. Uh, if you want to play something with friends, it's a little more like strategy based. Um, it's called Don't Starve Together. Uh, basically just yeah. a, an easy survival game. You just um, join up with a few friends on Steam and you're basically just like thrown into this uh, like wilderness area and you have to like find resources and try to try to survive for as long as you can um and we're all when we're all kind of stuck in quarantine trying to survive i feel like that could uh (laughs) kind of be fitting for some people um if you're looking to really just play something just like sitting on the couch with a friend if you got like siblings at home or something um i would recommend looking into a game called overcooked um super fun so you know you're these little characters kind of stuck in a kitchen um you're given like different recipes to make and you're trying to serve them up as fast as you can uh, you have to like yeah. split the kitchen up, try to figure out, you know, who's going to do what. Someone has to cook the thing. Someone has to plate them. Someone has to serve them. Someone has to wash the mm-hmm. dishes. Um, they make the kitchens kind of crazy with like obstacles going on or like the map is splitting in half or the kitchen is spread over two trucks driving side by side that aren't always oh, wow. lined up. 
Um, so that can be a lot of fun. That's one that I actually, actually been playing with Unsa a lot. You know, it's just super easy, sit on the couch. Um, and it can get a little competitive. It can get a little, it can get a little fiery because <laughs> you're on a time crunch. Um, yeah. And if you're just looking, though, for something like super slow pace, not looking into anything competitive, um, also easy game to play, just like sitting on the couch that Unsa and I have been enjoying a lot lately is called Stardew Valley. Um, you're just a little character. You have to go and manage a farm together. Pretty straightforward, low stress. Um, but the game has a lot. It's like one of those resource management games where, you know, you manage this farm, you got to water your plants, um, you got to find ways to make money and then buy more seeds. And so very, very low stress, easy to play, but also has like a good co-op feel to it where you're like, everyone's kind of contributing to make your farm a better place. Mm -hmm. And so that's pretty much, oh, I guess I have one last big rack. Uh, last recommendation would be it's not a game that's out yet but a game to kind of look out for I think it's going to be kind of the big blockbuster game of this year Um, it was supposed to come out in April but I believe because of all this um, COVID stuff they've pushed it to September now but keep keep your eyes out for Cyberpunk 2077 I think that's going to be like the big AAA title of of this um, of this year so something to look forward to cool cool yeah. Just one last thing we can end up on this note is uh, just comment on these new generation PlayStations and Xboxes coming out. Uh, what do you think about, you know, some of the the power, the computing inside uh, and, you know, what would you recommend? Uh, to Absolutely. So I made the switch. So the last time I owned a console, I had an Xbox one um, shortly after it came out. Um, by that time, I'd also already built my PC And unfortunately, once I made the switch, I I really couldn't go back. Um, Mm -hmm. Consoles, they're great, um, you know, for the purpose that they serve. But I think for me, um, when I I just I just really started enjoying PC gaming, it opens up a lot more options for games for you generally, because there's very few titles that you will see that are console only. um, But there are so many more games that you will find on steam or other websites or and other sellers that will provide you with pc games that just aren't available on a, yep. on, on any, any console and i think that just opens up so much more opportunities um and i think you know for me i still if i do want to you know, sit down with a controller i can still get that while ha- like playing through a pc like you don't lose that you know if you want to play tekken you know or like a fighter or a first person shooter and you really are just like feeling like you want to hold a controller while you do that you still can yeah. with a computer you don't you don't have to necessarily lose that and, and i think the problem with consoles is always going to be that you know they're they're trying to you know sell and make money so they're they're going to put you know parts that are better than the last generation but the moment you buy it you know a year after that those parts are old whereas mm-hmm. if you build your own you know gaming system then as a part gets older you can always pull it out and you know plug in a new one and so you yep. always have that customizability you always have that area for improvement that you're never going to have if you drop five six hundred dollars just on a console mm-hmm and so in my opinion, no matter how good a console is, it's going to get outdated so like faster than you can, you know, you'll ever be able to keep up with. And that's yeah. not true for if you build your own PC and play mm-hmm. video games that way. Cool, cool. 
Well, Mayor, uh, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Uh, it was. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, we do have a tradition around here where we uh, end on Song of the Day and play a little clip at the end uh, for uh, you know whoever we have on their recommendation. So do you have a particular song in your mind that you've been listening to or a favorite uh, song of yours? Yeah. At the time? So first of all, loved being on the show, guys. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, course, a, it's been, a, it's been a long time dream of mine to be on. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, so I feel, I feel very special tonight and I oh, appreciate you, it. Yeah, you're welcome anytime <laughs> on the show. Uh, anytime. Long time, lis- long time listener here. So thank you. Let's really go. appreciate it. Um, thank you, man. Yeah. Um, I do have to do a quick shout out. I, I'd be amiss if I did not do a shout out to Game Night Plus. I know you uh-huh. guys covered that um, with uh, yep. my my partner, Daniel. I can say that now. We're officially in the LLC now. Congratulations. Um, Congratulations. We've, gone into, we've gone into business together. So check out Game Night Plus if you haven't already. Um, of course, we'll some, link it again in the description. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Um, and I have been listening to Jay Balvin's new album. Uh, okay. My favorite song on that is uh, "Rojo." Oh, I have heard that song, and it, it's it's a, it's a banger. I like <laughs> it. It is it is a great song. I'm gonna have to add that uh, to my playlist. I think Klaus actually showed me it a couple weeks ago in the gym before oh, nice. this, uh, the Corona lockdown. Uh, yeah, I was to Rojo. Uh, it's it's a very good song. Good well, uh, again, Omer, thank you so much. Uh, and here's "Rojo" by Jay Balvin. Thank you, guys. Me decido por ti, te decides por mí A la misma 